sibling rivalry. That's our topic here today from Intentional Living. And uh, I'm kind of chuckling because as, as we go back to the roots of this ministry called Parent Talk in the early days, uh, we focused only on parenting and sibling rivalry was always at the top of the, the list, certainly in the top five issues that moms and dads face. So we thought we'd revisit that again today intentionally from our Intentional Living Center. Dr. Randy here along with Stephen and Jennifer and the rest of the team from Intentional Living. If you wrestle with sibling rivalry, remember, as my friend Kevin Lehman has often said, that sibling rivalry, I love this, is an act of cooperation. What does that mean? It means kids know what buttons to push with each other to get the parents uh, overly exercised and heated sometimes and frustrated. So we're going to give you some really practical help today on sibling rivalry. How does sibling rivalry impact your life and your family? And what one thing have you learned? Our comment line is uh, always open 24 hours a day for this topic or any topic at 888 Boy, we'd love to hear from you as you share your story with us today. You know, we raised three kids, my wife and I, and we had a lot of this that went on, and, and we tried to practice what I preached, and when we did, it worked, and when we didn't, it doesn't. And so uh, today, I hope some of the things we share with you, you'll be reminded, can work for your encouragement. Sibling rivalry is uh, we share how to be intentional in your family. Hi, I'm not a parent, but I grew up with two other siblings, and from a kid's perspective, I feel like my parents were very intentional with sibling rivalry growing up with making sure that everything was as even as it possibly can be. One thing that they could have been more intentional upon is making sure that my mom kind of favored me a little bit more because I was the youngest, whereas my dad, the older one, has more say because they're older. But they were usually pretty good about making sure that they heard both sides of our story. I do feel like one thing that they were very good about is making sure that any competition, because I come from a very competitive family, but any competition was just for fun. And it wasn't anything that, oh, one is better than the other. It was just all for fun and games. Sibling rivalry. Right at the top of the list of one, two, three, right at the top of the list of frustrations for parents, I will say this, uh, competitive kids tend to have a competitive parent or competitive family. Um, so what is it? It may, you know, may not be with your kids, and they could even be all grown up, or it could be they're still home, or maybe with you and your sibling. Come and join us. Wendy says on uh, Facebook and Twitter here, she says, and we asked the question, what's kind of the silly things that arguments that go on with your kids. Wendy says, they say, they they come home and they say that the other one used all the gas in the car. But we pay for the gas, so (laughs) what are they fighting about? Ryan says, everything, capital letters, everything is competition. First to the bathroom, first to the van, first to the door, first to the room, first to the supper table, first to take a bath, first to get their clothes on, so on, so on, so on. Got to be first. Ann says, it's not fair. I tell them life is not fair, get over it. <laughs> that's true. And I like you. <laughs> I like you a lot. That's, uh, that's a lot of truth there. What is it about the competition that goes on with sibling rivalry? Boy, do we see that. You know, you can even see that in Scripture. I mean, I wasn't thinking, I was just kidding, like you saw in Jacob, right? Um, Rachel and Leah, we were just talking about Jacob 
in the room. I just did a lesson on in-laws. I was saying, well, how would you like to be Jacob with the father-in-law he had? Talk about you know sibling rivalry between Rachel and Leah. Where else do we see that in Scripture? I think it's a human condition. But I'll say to you as a parent, if you have a challenge with a sibling rivalry, uh, it often comes right back to our own selves in terms of are we in an environment where there's competition? Are we letting the kids uh, get it to us with it's not fair and we're constantly trying to make things fair and equal? Because life isn't fair. Things aren't equal. Kids are different. And when we get into the fairness trap, it really gets us. So when we think sibling rivalry, what is one thing that you wrestle with with sibling rivalry? I'd love to hear it. 888-888-1717. Let's go. The older one has uh, uh, significant learning disabilities and is causing a lot of friction between the two of them because she doesn't want the younger one to outdo her in anything. When I'm working with my kids, I, I have that structure and I have that no not to mess with me. Uh, my parents were very gender biased. I'm the oldest of five and my uh, younger brothers had later curfews. Uh, were given more freedom, so that really did create um, some heartache between us mm. and, uh, and irreparable harm in the relationship. It bothers me that everything that they do is a competition. Wow. You know, I wrote a book um, a number of years ago called The Cain and Abel Syndrome, How to Get Along with Your Adult Siblings, and uh, really focused on this, this thing of things aren't fair, but how you parent and what goes on in your home you're setting your sons and daughters up for later in life uh, to learn how to you know, get along with people. Unfortunately, sometimes adult children don't get along with each other because they didn't learn to get along when they're at home. Many times, because mom and dad would jump in and fix things too quickly, solve all the problems, wouldn't tolerate any disagreement, and made fairness a great big you know, goal. Uh, and so kids started to see life in terms of what's fair and not fair which isn't good. Sonia's on the line in New Mexico. Welcome to the program. Appreciate your Hello. call today. What's your question? Thank you. Well, I have a three and a mm-hmm. five-year-old, and um, they're constantly um, competing for my attention. Mm. How do they do that? What does it look like? <sighs> they Well, they act naughty. They interrupt each other. They fight with each other. I give attention to one, the other one gets upset. Um, they just can't seem to share my mm-hmm. attention. So when you're giving attention to one, the other one gets to be naughty. And, and, right. And uh, then what, is the, what does the child do that you're paying attention to? He gets upset at the other yeah. child. Okay. So they kind of know how to push the buttons to make this happen, don't they? With each exactly. other. Exactly. And so getting mom's attention, and, you know, obviously that's what all kids want. They want mom's attention. Uh, what do you do? What do right. you do when they do that? Um, well, I kind of I ask the other child to, you know, be patient and they'll get their turn, but then they get upset and nothing gets mm-hmm. accomplished. And then it's just kind of like this cycle of um, one gets mad, the other one gets mad, and... Everybody's mad. And then <laughs> it kind of erupts into, you know, arguing, and then it's just a vicious cycle keeps going around and around. 
Yes, and then they fight with each other, and, you know, it just seems like they just, the naughtiness seems to continue mm-hmm. from there. And you said they're two years apart, three and five, right? Three, three and five, and five. Yeah. A boy-girl? Yes, the boy's the oldest, and, and the little one uh-huh. is the youngest. The and see, as a single mom, you're, you're, you're tired, you've got a lot going on, and that even makes it more stressful. Yeah, yeah you don't, you don't have the tag so. team approach to hand off and say, hey, it's your turn. You know, you've got to do it all by yourself. A couple things. This is not untypical when you get kids, especially when they're closer in age. You get out four or five years apart, the rivalry is a little different. And they start to be like a birth order all over again. But when they're just a couple years apart, you know, it's like they're right there in the same age close enough that mom's attention really is a big deal. I think you're, you're heading in the right direction, Sonia. I think maybe you just need to do less explaining in terms of, well, I'll come to you later and I'll, t- you know, and then we start debating and discussing what's fair and we're going to get equal time and and have consequences for this. In other words... I would sit down with those two, and I know they're young, but explain to them, look, um, mom has time with each of you. We're going to do things together, and we do things together. The more things you can do together, that builds cooperation. But if we can't get along, both of you are going to have to go to timeout, or both of you are going to have to go to your room until we can cooperate with each other. But I think setting up a plan, Sonia, where you're not talking so much, explaining so much, trying to, you know, uh, get to them as an almost an adult to explain how you're going to separate your time, and just take that parental intentional action. That when they're when they're starting to act up with each other, it's over. You say fine, that's it. You don't have to raise your voice, you don't have to yell. It's over. You're you're in your room, you're in your room, or you're in the room together because you need to work it out if they can do that. But I'm done. And when the both of you are ready to come back, and we can. You know, do some fun things together, cooperate together. That's going to be a good thing. Secondly, I think the more you can do together, uh, the better, as long as they can cooperate with each other. But when you need to do one thing with one child, the other one needs to learn to be patient. And if they can't, then that, that's the timeout. That's a consequence. Less words, more action, Sonia. Hope, I hope that helps. Today we're talking about sibling rivalry. You know, it could happen with your kids, but I guess I'd ask the question, do you, do you still have a rivalry with a son or daughter, I mean a brother or sister, uh, who may live across the country? What does that look like? What does adult sibling rivalry look like? And uh, with whom is that? And how did that develop? And how does that feel? 888-888-1717, sibling rivalry in focus today from Intentional Living. Hi, my name is Michelle. I have a twin sister named Sean, and I have been praying about becoming intentional with my twin sister. She is anorexic, and I have had a few bumps along the way trying to help her. For a while, I was ignoring her because I don't get the anorexia thing, but God has been laying it on my heart to try and help her. She lives thousands of miles away, but I still try to talk to her every day. She has been anorexic for about 16, 17 years, and my mother just passed away, and she had made a promise to my mother before she passed away that she would eat better, take care of herself, and um, I feel that I want to become intentional to help her. Mm. You know, God bless you. My thought is that... um 
you're the type of person that wants to fix things and you want to make things better. And, and this is often the case in a family. You may have multiple siblings, and usually there's at least one caretaker. There's one that has learned to be the one to make sure everything is okay with everybody. They're the ones that make sure if there's a problem, they're the ones that feel the pain. Um, if there's a, an event that everybody has to get together, they're the ones that make sure it happens. If, uh, if there's an issue with mom and dad and there's a concern, they're the one that gets the family together and tries to resolve it. Usually families have that one kind of emotional officer, chief you know, emotional officer. The problem is that we can absorb things that we can't change. And we can get too involved in things that we'd like to see different, things that we would like to see better, but we can't, we can't make it better. We can't change it. And I think when we think about our own children, one of the reasons intentional living teaches and has for many years, pick, pick your battles carefully when it comes to parenting. Don't jump in and rescue your kids. Some of the things that we say in, in our classes that we teach on parenting, don't do for your kids things that they can do for themselves because when you do that, you weaken them. Every time your kids are disagreeing with each other, if you jump in and resolve it or stop it, they never learn to resolve things themselves. If your kids can learn to have disagreements and even reasonable arguments and resolve things, and then you can come along and guide them, you're teaching them how, as they get older, to resolve differences when they're adults. There are some, and maybe it's you, and you, you think about now, you don't know how to resolve a problem with your adult son or brother or sister because you didn't learn how to communicate and resolve things when you were kids. And that pattern continues. That's why when our kids are at home, allowing them to... interact with each other and disagree with each other and communicate with each other and resolve issues without us stepping in all the time and we're there to nurture and train. That's part of being intentional in helping to build the next generation. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs 22, 6, to train a child in the way he should go, when he's old he won't depart from it. Building that platform when they're young, helping them establish their relationships when they're young uh, becomes sort of a process and a pattern for them as they get older. So what is the one thing in sibling rivalry, either with your adult brother or sister, or between your kids, that drives you up the wall or hurts you deeply? 888-888-1717. They are just nitpicking (laughs) over the most simplest things and I'm about to lose all of my hair. She believes that I love him more because she's feeling that he is loved more. When they are in the vehicle with me, there is no respect for me. There is um, no respect for each other's bodies, no respect for, you know, like you were just saying, you know, no name calling. One of my brothers, my younger brother, not so much, but the one that was 18 months younger than me, um, we are still estranged and we're both in our 40s. But my children, um, the only word that I can describe my four boys are, and I mean even my two-year-old, is bullies. Intentional love. 
It's the key to opening up intimacy and closeness in your life and marriage. What's the process to build an intentional marriage? The reality is there should be a great big sign across our foreheads on the day we get married that says, Assembly Required. Join Dr. Randy Carlson for laughter and inspiration at the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night. It's good to get some updated advice and information to help us with our marriage. To grow closer in our relationship and just come away with some ideas and some techniques that we can use. Hi, this is Dr. Randy Carlson, and I want to invite you to the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night, celebrating marriage and giving you the secrets to what intentional love can do to create intimacy, closeness, and unity in your marriage. Don't miss the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night, Saturday, November 4th at 7 p.m. at New Beginnings Church in Albuquerque. Get your tickets today at theintentionallife.com. And you know, we're sharing this on our entire network and our podcast all around the world and across the country. And I know for some it's impractical, you can't get there, but maybe, maybe you're close enough some to say, hey, we could make a a vacation, either travel or fly to Albuquerque and enjoy New Mexico and some of the beauties of New Mexico, uh, the land of enchantment. Uh, make it a vacation early in November, and then as part of it, be with us on that date night, November the 4th, Saturday night in uh, Albuquerque. I need to say, though, that we have limited space, limited capacity, and before we even started to announce this, uh, the Gold Circle was already sold out. So we don't want you to miss out uh, on general admission. So come and be a part of it or tell some friends about it by going to theintentionallife.com. You can get registered. That's theintentionallife.com. And uh, when you do, all the information is there for you to be a part of the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night. You're listening to Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional living is not intended to be therapy by radio. Randy. Thank you, Kurt, and uh, welcome to our Intentional Living Center today. We're talking about sibling rivalry, big issue in uh, many families. And you know, I'm, th- I'm the youngest of three boys, and my brothers are like six years and 11 years older, so I'm, th- I'm the youngest. So in many ways, we're like three only kids. I mean, my brother... Warren, who's 11 years older, by the time I can remember him, he was uh, just about ready to leave uh, for college. I can remember him in his teen years, late teen years. And so, <laughs> being that much younger, I was just sort of a nuisance, you know, a necessary nuisance around the house. Fortunately, I lived through that period. I actually survived. But I think that the rivalry part can, you know, can happen, especially as the ages get get closer. Uh, because the competition and the expectations and so on, and the same age. I, I When we think about sibling rivalry, it, it does come back to competition. And I have found that when we have competitive kids, really competitive with each other, I always try to find out which one of the parents or both that are tend to be pretty competitive themselves. Competitive kids have competitive parents. And in the process, why well, that can create uh, the attention. So what is it? I mean, what's that one thing that you wrestle with, maybe with your adults, siblings, or with your kids, and how can I help? 888-888-1717. Sometimes you leave questions with us, you know, and when you do, getting a chance to answer those is always something we love to do as well. Hi, Dr. Randy. Um, You talked today on your program about having a strong-willed child. 
And you said that um, parents who have strong-willed children should be a little bit more lax and pick and choose your battles wisely. And I feel like I do that, but my question is, how do you do that and stay fair to your compliant children? Because sometimes I feel when I'm being a little bit lax with him, she picks up on that and sees that you are letting him slip by and letting him get away with things and then she feels put out whenever she gets in trouble for things that she's doing that she understands is wrong. Thank you very much for your program and have a great day. Thanks. All right. That's good. But I, I got to clarify something. Um, you probably heard, you, you heard or thought you heard me say lax. I would never say lax. That's not a word I would ever use in parenting. I don't think parents are ever designed or intended to be lax. Lax would imply, I'm just going to let things slide. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to just cover my eyes and assume I didn't see it or hear it. I think what I really say is sometimes we can have parents that are more uptight and they jump in on everything. And if you've got a strong-willed child, you can be constantly on their case. I think what we have to do is pick our battles carefully. And when you've got a strong-willed child, what happens is they become the attention of every, everything in the family becomes about them. And when we give all the attention to one child, the other kids can become resentful, the whole resentful, because everything is about this one kid, about their brother, for instance. So I, I wouldn't suggest you be lax. What I would suggest is you pick your battles carefully and realize not, not everyone needs to be picked. Sometimes you can divert your children into other activities. Um, sometimes you can simply ignore something. You know, it's something you just don't have to jump in on. It's not, it's going to go away. But when you do need to pick a battle, when you do need to step in, be consistent when you do, and be consistent in how you follow through. Consistent meaning that there's going to be a consequence. I would add, though, and I've seen this in families, you may have this compliant child, and then you have this strong-willed child. I have observed that the, com- the compliant child sometimes is more passively compli- <laughs> passive and aggressively compliant than you realize. In other words, the compliant child sometimes know, knows how to push the button on that strong-willed child to set them off. They've got a short fuse. And in those cases, when you know that the compliant child is also responsible, in other words, they're playing a piece in this problem, make sure you discipline them both not just one. Because when you do that, you know, then, then the strong-willed child says, well, that's not fair. And, of course, fairness isn't the goal. Uh, we're talking today about sibling rivalry, and it's, uh, you know, it happens. It happens from the very beginning of the book in the Bible of Cain and Abel. The very first two boys had sibling rivalry. And, of course, we see the result of that. Uh, but sibling rivalry is as old as time. It goes back to the very beginning of time. It's a part of feeling accepted, you know, with Cain and Abel, feeling accepted with their offerings before God. You know, the, this competition is just wired into us. And the less we can be, the, the less competition we can put in a family, the better off it's going to be. All right, Billy Joe is on the line. Welcome, Billy Joe. Appreciate your call. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Ta- talk to me. What's your question on sibling rivalry? Um, I just would like to know, um, back in 2008, my mother passed away. Um, my sister at that time, um, she just was awful during that time through the whole funeral process and everything. Mm-hmm. And I have been estranged from her ever since. Mm. 
and would like to know what you would suggest on how to try to get through that because I've been really struggling with that and I have forgave her, but I just choose not to be a part of her life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to really like process it all and get through it to be a part of her life, if you understand what I'm saying. Well, there's much more, I'm sure, to the story than we have time for, but I think a couple of basic principles here uh, for you, uh, Billy Joe, or Joe, is that you know, you've gone from 2008 to now, so basically about seven, eight years, um, with being estranged. And I always say that uh, weddings, funerals, major family crises bring out whatever's good in a family, or whatever's bad in a family. It's like a tea bag in cold water is different than tea bag in hot water. And you put it in hot water, it draws out what's in it. And sometimes that's what happens. So you had this kind of focal point estrangement that occurred at the funeral, whatever was there, all the garbage came out, and now you don't know what to do with it. If that were my sister, um, I would reach out to her. Now, again, I don't know the whole story. If there's some things you need to keep some boundaries in place and you need to be healthy in those boundaries and so on, obviously you need to do that. But I would open the door to start a conversation with your sister. I mean, you guys are sisters. You're going to, you know, one of you, when you pass, is going to be at the other's funeral. And I just think it's important to try to keep short accounts. And it may begin with a card. It may begin with a, you know, an email. It may begin with a phone call that just says, I'm thinking of you on a birthday, or, a, or I found something in a, a book that I thought you'd be interested in, and I sent it to you just to say I was thinking of you today. I think just to begin to open that up a little bit in terms of developing a relationship, and from there, see what, see what happens. But I would take it one step at a time, because really damaged relationships, sometimes they don't get healed, and sometimes the expectations are never going to be met, and you have to grieve the loss. But I would certainly make the attempt to make it work. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we see a lot of sorry old people is because we collect all of this garbage year after year after year. Don't deal with the little things in our life, and then all of a sudden we turn 70 or 80 or whatever, and it's just like it's hanging off of us like Velcro sticking to us because we've carried all of these little things through all of these years. Hmm. That's a word picture, isn't it? How we can carry such negativity in our life and when we see sour old people, it's unfortunate, but it's because the little things have caught on and attached themselves uh, to their life. So the lesson this month on how small things become big things in our life is to help us maybe turn that around in our marriage, our family, our personal life. So members, you've received it already. It's part of our master class series every month, a brand new teaching. We try to do both video and audio and get it to you by email. And uh, those of you who are joining us today to become a part of the ministry as a new member, your monthly support, a dollar a day in support of the ministry, or whatever amount God lays on your heart, we want to get you included. We'll send this out to you. Plus, I told the team this month I want to handpick a a book I'd like to send to all of our new members who are joining us here. And it's a book by Max Lucado. It's a book titled How to Outlive Your Life. And so to think about that we would have an impact in people's lives, our kids, our grandkids, that would outlive us into the future. And that's really our hope and desire as we share this, this book with you. It's a limited supply, limited to this month, so don't miss out. Go to theintentionallife.com to support The Intentional Life. 
www.westcoastbusinessbook.com or call during West Coast Business Hours, 888 and uh, press number two. We'd love to hear from you. You know, today we've been talking about sibling rivalry and uh, <laughs> think about a story of my daughter when her kids, our grandkids, were quite young and some of their fighting and she was going on a long trip and in the back of the car, one of our favorite photos of our grandkids out here is our two grandkids sitting in the back seat uh, with a poster board between them. <laughs> kind of like a divider and I have to chuckle. Sometimes that's the way you feel. But I hope you've learned some things about sibling rivalry. Don't overreact. It's part of the process. Just be intentional and follow through. Dr. Randy here. Gotta run. Thanks for being a part of the Intentional Living Ministry today.